John chapter 18 this morning. John 18, and we'll read again verses 15 through 18. Then I'm going to skip some verses and pick up in verse 25. John 18, beginning in verse 15. And then we're going to read a whole series of Scriptures and take some time so that I can lay out the foundation for this morning's message. But let's begin in our chapter, John 18, verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? And he saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. We drop down to verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse 26, One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Now take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, and I want to read two verses. Matthew 26, verse 74 and verse 75. And then we're going to go to Mark and then to Luke. And then we're going to go back to Mark and then back to John. So we have several scriptures to read. But let's take some time this morning to read so that we can get the whole picture. Matthew Chapter 26, verse 74 says, Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crew, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Mark, Chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, verse 71 and verse 72. Mark 14, 71. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Luke chapter 22. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, in that order. Luke chapter 22, this time in verse 60 uh, through 62. Luke 22:60, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Go back now to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we'll read one verse. It becomes very significant later in the, in the uh, message. From Luke, you go back to your left one book, to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 16. We're going to read verse 7. An angel sent from God is speaking with God's message. And he says, Go your way, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Now back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 21 John chapter 21, and we'll look at one verse. The Gospel of John, so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospel of John chapter 21, verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now, for the last verse, go to the book of Acts. One book to your right. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. In Acts chapter 2, it's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been sent down to credentialize and empower the Lord's church at Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, the Scripture says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, hearken to my words. I will leave off reading there in Acts chapter 2 in verse 14 where he is preaching on the day of Pentecost. Back now to the Gospel according to John chapter 18. Let me do a little bit of a review before we go any further. As the history of the cross of Calvary opens before us in chapters 18 through 21, we are reminded that in the midst of monumental historical events, God pays attention to the actions of individual Christians. In this case, we are allowed to see the actions of Peter as he is singled out from all the other disciples. As we look at Peter's failure in sin, it is very important to remember that if it were not for the sustaining grace of God, In our life, 
we would be no different than Peter. Remember that at all times. We do not look into the Scriptures at the failures of some of God's people and think, I would never do that. Because unless God sustains you, you would do that and worse. Remember also that while Peter is singled out for his failure, the other disciples seem to escape the scrutiny of God in their life during this time. God deals with us and it seems that others are getting away with the same. It is important for us to remember that we deal with ourselves before God and that we do not look around and say, what about him or what about her? We deal with ourselves first. As we look at Peter this morning, it is important to remember and to keep in mind that God has called him a rock. Peter. That God has called him a rock. He is a rock of a Christian. And he is in a weak place. But he is still Peter. In the midst of his failures, God's immutable view of him does not change. God's view of him as a bold, fearless, strong, God-taught disciple does not change. God's view of him as a leader among Christians does not change. God's view of him as someone he loves does not change. He has been given eternal life by the Lord Jesus Christ. He has already been useful in the kingdom of God. He will yet be useful in the kingdom of God. God has not changed His ideas and His thoughts about Peter in this dark time of his life. That is important for us to remember because Satan will lie to us if we fall into sin or when we fall into sin and whisper in our ears that God does not love you anymore. How can you say you're a Christian and do that or say that or think that? You're useless in the kingdom of God. That's the lie of the evil one. Peter is a strong and fearless Christian. But sometimes strong and fearless Christians fall into the weakness of the flesh. And this is where Peter is before us. Peter has forgotten. Peter has not availed himself onto the means of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ had warned him, Satan wants to devour you. You need to be aware. The Lord Jesus Christ had said to him, pray because the flesh is weak, even though the spirit is strong. The Lord Jesus Christ had given him instruction. He had not done so. The Lord Jesus Christ had warned him. And Peter failed in the midst of this trial. But even in the midst of this trial... Peter could have taken a moment and said, Lord, look at me in the middle of this trap. Deliver me, save me out of the hands of my enemy. But he did not do so. He relied more and more on the flesh. Fear got a hold of him. We learn from Peter that fear will rob a Christian of their faith, but also rob a Christian of their courage. 
I have not brought this verse up before, but this morning I want to remind you that the Scripture says in Proverbs 29, verse 25, Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And we see Peter ensnared, captured, trapped, and on a downward spiral into deeper and deeper sin. Last week, we saw that Peter failed his Lord and Master despite the fact that God put several providential hindrances in his way. Peter and the other eleven, or the other ten, had been allowed to flee from the Garden of Gethsemane for their protection. Our Lord had said, if you are looking for Me, let these go. And they all were able to flee. But He returned to see what was happening to His Lord. In chapter 18 and verse 16, we read that the door into the area where they had taken Jesus to try Him was shut. And Peter was on the outside. That's the second hindrance God had put before him. A shut door. Well, if I am examining things rightly, I'm not supposed to be here anyway. He had told me to flee. But I am here and now i got a shut door. Maybe I ought to take a hint from God that I ought not to go in there. But John's on the inside and he opens the door for Peter. And Peter goes in. And then God puts a very quiet, mild-mannered young girl in Peter's way. She is not a Roman soldier looking to take him captive. She is not a religious zealot trying to destroy him for his Christianity. Just a simple girl keeping the door, letting people in who know the chief priest and keeping people out that don't. And she says to him quietly, without any threat, She says to him, Are you one of his disciples too? What an opportunity to say yes and stop the downward spiral. But the first of his three denials is right there. I am not. And that brings us to this morning's text, we're going to go back to verse 18 and look at verse 25. The high, verse 18, and the servants and officers stood there who made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And then John inserts something about the trial of Christ and picks back up in verse 25. Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And they said therefore unto him, Art thou, art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. Here is the third or fourth potential obstacle before the Lord uh, before Peter. The servants and officers of the religious leaders who had opposed the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry, who had gathered together at the Garden of Gethsemane to bring the Lord Jesus Christ out. To, to the chief priest, they're there gathered at this trial. 
They are part of the multitude who had come into the garden. They are part of those watching the trial. They're warming themselves at a fire because the fire is cold. Peter had spent three and a half years of his life with our Lord Jesus Christ hearing people just like them deny the truth, do everything they can to resist the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows this crowd. He knows people like this. But he's on a slippery slope. And he went over and stood with them. He joined himself together with them as though he was part of the company, stood with them. The Greek means as though he were part of the company. As though he was in agreement with their conversation. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself with the enemies of God. He stood among them, the Scripture says in 18 and 25. He continued in the company of the servants of the officers and the officers of the high priest. He sought to warm himself with a fire they had made. He sought to warm himself with the fire of those who hate God. He stood or with that group when he should not have been there in the first place. Christians should never underestimate the power and influence of those who are not Christians. Peter joins a whole crowd of people who are not Christians, who are not followers of Jesus Christ. But he is. And he joins himself with them. And he underestimates the power and influence of those who are not Christians. They can be and oftentimes are a bad influence upon a true Christian. Paul warns the church at Corinth of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 says, Be not deceived, Evil communications corrupt good manners. The word, the old English word communications refers to the life, the lifestyle and the opinions of bad company or bad companions of those who are not Christians. This evil lifestyle, this evil way of speaking, this corrupt way of life can influence a Christian. It can corrupt Christianity in you. Paul warns about it. And warns us, be careful who our friends are. The world is our mission field. Sinners are those we take the Gospel to. But we are not yoked together with them as though they were equal. We, are, we love them. We pray for them. But we don't join them to be part of them. 
The gospel call is for them to come out of the world and join us as we go on to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Proverbs, wise Solomon writes in Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now in the Old Testament, in the writings, in the poetic writings, the word fools is not used in a derogatory way as we would today. It's not a slander. The word fools refers to an unbeliever. Refers to a person who is without the wisdom to follow the living God. To come and follow the living God. Who lacks the wisdom that comes from God to follow the way of truth. He is a fool. He is without wisdom. He that walks with wise men shall be made wise. But what happens to someone who joins himself and walks with someone who does not have the wisdom of God, who does not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? The potential of joining with those is that you end up destroyed. Go over to the book of the Revelation. I want to show you something. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 18. Last book in the Bible. The book of the Revelation, chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. John is writing about Babylon. Spiritual. Not physical, but spiritual. That is, false religion. And its influence on the world. Babylon. False religion and its influence on the world. And so, in, ba- in Babylon, in Revelation 18, verse 4, John says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, come out of Babylon, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. God is about to destroy false religion on the earth. God is about to rise up and destroy Babylon and its influence upon the world, upon the world's commerce, upon the world's political leaders. God is about to rise up and destroy this religion that has a grip on the world. And the people of God are in the midst of it. And He says to them, you come out so you don't suffer the destruction. Sin is so powerful that being among those who are not interested in the things of God can result in a true Christian partaking of their sin. This is where Peter is. Remaining among them, not repenting and remaining among them, may also result in a true Christian suffering part of their judgment. A true Christian will never suffer the ultimate judgment in hell, but they can suffer part of God's judgment upon the lost. Partakers of their plagues. When I bring things upon them, when I plague them, you don't want to be part of that. You don't want to be part of that. Get out. Get away from them. I read an account of a Christian in the first century that uh, learned 
of a man who professed to be Christian, a religious man who denied the deity of Jesus Christ, said he was only a man, and he was invited to go attend the service where this man was, and he said, I dare not, lest I be under the same roof with that man when God judges him and brings him to destruction. We don't think like that today. We think we can partake in all kinds of different things. That's called Christianity and not be touched by it. God warns us, come out and be separate. But Peter is warning him, warming himself with the enemies of God, with religious people. They are servants and officers of the, of the religious leaders of the day. And he is there. And they said therefore unto him in John 18.25, Art thou, art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. This is the second of Peter's three denials of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this came about because he did not heed the warnings of the Lord Jesus Christ to watch out for bad company. The next verses, verse 26 and verse 27. One of the servants of the high priest, being the kinsman, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter had cut off. Now this is Malchus. Just previous in chapter 18 in the garden, Peter had drawn the sword and cut off his ear. This, this is the relative of the high priest who had had his ear cut off and Christ healed it. He got a close enough look at the man swinging the sword even though no doubt he was ducking, to remember, weren't you the one that was in the garden with that sword? And Peter then denied again. And immediately the cock crew. Now I want to draw your attention to two words in verse 26. The last two words. Did not I see thee in the garden with him. One of those who had seen him in the garden with the Lord Jesus Christ now sees him with the enemies of God. Only a few hours before he was with Jesus, now he stands with the servants and officers of the high priest. This is another, yet another obstacle put in Peter's way. It should have caused him to flee from that group. Or it should have caused him to say, yes, I was with him in the garden, and I am indeed his follower. You see, brethren, we, we might fail here, and we might failed here, but God brings us in a situation where we now have an opportunity to say, yes, I said that, I said that, but no more. The line is drawn. I am His follower. But fear has its grip on Peter. And he denies his Lord for the third time. And the cock crows. And what we see here 
is that after Peter began to fall, he could not lift himself up out of his failure. He did not have the spiritual strength to do so. Instead, we see him falling more and more into worse and worse conditions. True Christians often discover this about themselves. True Christians, genuine Christians, often discover that once they enter into a pathway, it is very difficult to stop, to turn around and get out of the thing. And if it were not for God coming to our rescue, we would just keep going further and further and further down. We discover over and over throughout our Christian life that we must be raised up again and again by the power of God or we cannot continue moving forward as in our Christian life. Peter denies Him the third time. And he weeps. He goes out into the darkness of the night and he weeps. Three days later, there is no record from that account when Peter leaves and goes out. There is nothing else said. Jesus Christ is crucified. He is buried. Three days and three nights later, He rises from the grave. And word comes to the disciples that He is risen. And some of the women among the disciples rush to the sepulcher, to the grave. And the rock is moved. It's the early morning hours of the first day of the week. And there's an angel standing there with a message from God. And he says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 7, Go your way. You see, He's not here. He's risen. Go your way. Go your way. Tell His disciples and Peter that He goeth before you into Galilee. God doesn't waste words, brethren. God doesn't add words when they're not necessary. God doesn't take away words that are not necessary. Why did God add those two words and Peter to the message? Why do you suppose it was necessary to add those two words? You go and you tell the disciples and Peter. Oh, you already know why, don't you? You already know because you, as a Christian, have fallen into sin. You already know what it feels like to be on the outside. You already know what it feels like to be not part of the group. And yes, he would be interested in the disciples coming and meeting him in Galilee, but, but not me. Surely not me. He cannot be interested in me, not after what I have done. That's what goes on in the mind and the heart of a child of God. Three days later, when all has been silent about Peter, his name comes up. You go tell the disciples and Peter, I'm going to meet him in Galilee. And so we see the beginning of Peter's restoration is seen in God seeking him out after he had fallen into sin. God came, sent a message to him. I want to see you in Galilee. 
Mark 16, verse 7 reveals that the angels with instruction from God very specifically mentions Peter by name. This is significant. Do not overlook it. God is showing Peter and us how gracious, how merciful He can be toward one of His children who have fallen into such a deep pit. Later that day, this is the early morning hours of the third day when Christ has risen. Later that day, the Lord Jesus Christ meets two disciples on the road to Emmaus. The eleven are not there. Just these two. And they are leaving Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. And Christ speaks with them and talks to them and explains to them and opens their understanding. And He breaks bread with them and then He disappears. (laughs) He's gone. And they said, it's the Lord. (laughs) And they get up from Emmaus and they rush back to Jerusalem and gather with with the church there. And in Luke chapter 23, in verse 34, they're telling the story. In Luke chapter 24, that is, in verse 34. And they're telling it. And the Scripture says in verse 34, saying, saying to the eleven, these two, saying, the Lord is risen indeed. And what is the next word? and hath appeared to Simon. When did that take place? It's now in the late afternoon and early evening of the first day of the week. He will appear that evening to the disciples as they're in the upper room later. We'll get to that in another day. When did that take place? There is no other information given us of that. Just those words and hath appeared to Simon. Just those words from the two witnesses from the road to Emmaus. No information given, no reference. Search the four Gospels. You will not find the event in the four Gospels. But sometime after the angels sent them those women back to tell the disciples, and sometime after John and Peter came and saw for themselves and went back to the disciples, sometime during the course of the day before our Lord met those two going to Emmaus, sometime God met with Peter. God often meets with His fallen children in private and in secret. No one else needs to know about it. There's no record. Evidently, He had told those two witnesses from Emmaus, those two servants from Emmaus. Our Lord had told them, evidently. God meets with His children to bring them back. To nurture them. To minister to them. To show them His grace and mercy. In the quiet chambers of our heart, He draws near. And we can't hardly imagine it. Well, what we have done 
that God would once again draw near to draw us back to Himself. We can't hardly imagine it. We get up in the morning and we we open our Bibles because that's what we're supposed to do. And we know what happened three days ago or five days ago. or We know what happened last night or whatever the situation is. And we do it anyway. And we read. And God comes. And He meets us where we're at. And He meets us in the dark and light springs up. That's the God that we serve. That's the God Christians serve. This meeting with Peter is confirmed in the epistles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 5 when Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel. And he says, and he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. He shows up that night among the, the, the twelve, which is a, a phrase for the, for the apostles at that time. And so before that meeting, and before the meeting with the two servants going into the road to Emmaus, sometime God came to where Peter was. And the Scriptures say, He revealed Himself to Peter. Peter's repentance is seen in Peter remembering what the Lord had told him. I read the verses, so we'll not go over them in, in full, but I will mention them again, and you can write down the addresses. In Matthew 26 and verse 75, we read, And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And he went out and wept bitterly. It is significant that God uses His word to help us, to bring us to repentance. Mark 14 and verse 72, Peter called to mind the Word of the Lord. The Word of, of that Jesus said unto him. And when he thought thereon, very important word, he wept. He called to mind the Word. That's a, that's a brief remembrance. But then he thought on it. The Greek word behind the English word Thought means he gave serious and continued reflection upon what God said. The Word of God. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, and he stops and he thinks. And he meditates and he considers. And that brings him to repentance. We have the same statement in Luke twenty-two sixty-two. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. There can be no repentance from sin without us understanding what sin is from the word of the Lord. We cannot define it ourselves and make it up what we think is sin or not sin. But when we come to the Scriptures, and God tells us thus and thus, then we see in that mirror and it causes us to repent. And then Peter's restoration is seen in his public testimony of his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Quietly, privately, in the dark recess of his heart, God has dealt with him. God has dealt with his servant. God has restored him in a sense of his soul being restored. 
Peter does indeed show up in Galilee. And is on the shores here, uh, having gone fishing after uh, some time, having gone fishing, that now Jesus Christ calls him to the forefront again and singles him out from the rest. In John twenty one seventeen, he, Jesus Christ, saith unto him, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more? Lovest thou me? Previously he had said, more than these? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. His restoration came about through his repentance and a public expression of his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. His restoration is also seen in the fact that God used him again in his fruitfulness for the kingdom of God throughout the rest of his life, in the fact that he continued to follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ according to his calling all the way up to the point where he became a martyr for the cause of Christ. We read in Acts 2 and verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven and preached. You know what happened that day, right? The Holy Spirit quickened and brought 3,000 into the kingdom of God that day. A week later, 5,000 more are brought in. Then God stops using the word addition and starts using the word multiply in the book of Acts. God used Peter to open the gospel door to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. God used Peter to open the gospel ministry to the Samaritans. God used Peter to open the gospel ministry to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. God used Peter to open the gospel door to these three different groups of people. God used him. He also used Peter to help the church at Jerusalem become a strong church despite their overemphasis upon the Old Testament, trying to fit the Old Testament in with the New. Later, he would be put in prison and God would set him free and would go to Babylon. And there he would preach and establish a church. God used Peter to write part of the New Testament. God has used Peter as an example. An example of some Christian who can fail. Of an example of in the midst of failure, a Christian coming to repentance. And an example of a Christian failing, coming to repentance and being restored for the profitability of the ministry. How many over the course of the centuries since Peter has died have read this account and said, if God can do that for Peter, certainly He can do that for me. If God can use a man who stood and lied and denied that he even knew Jesus Christ and later bring that man to repentance and God use him and he become profitable for the kingdom. What about me, Lord? Is it possible that you can use me, Lord? Of course it is. It is not Peter's strength or Peter's determination that got him up out of that pit, but the gracious hand of a mighty God who is merciful to His children. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Blessed be God and 
Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively, a living hope. He writes as a man who has a living hope in his heart. And he says in verse 4, this God who has birthed me into His kingdom, who has begotten me, has begotten me and put a living hope in my heart and given me an inheritance that is uncorruptible, verse 4, and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Peter speaks from experience. I have a place in heaven not because of my own strength. I have a place in heaven because God has reserved it there for me. Because God has loved me and God has kept me by His power. I have not kept myself by my own power. I didn't get into Christianity by myself. I got in because God brought me in. And I didn't stay there by myself. I stayed because God kept me there. And I won't get to heaven by myself. I'll get there because God brings me there by His power. Peter's testimony is, look at my life. And what you see is a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And a child of God kept by the power of God. And one of these days, I'm going to step out of this life into glory and when I do, one of the people I want to meet is Peter. Peter the rock. Peter the fearless. Who had a really, really, really bad night. And a really, really bad three days. And God did something about it. Have you had a rough life God can do something about that. Christian, walking on thin ice, turn to the left hand or to the right when you should have been going forward, God can do something about that. God can do something about it. Let's pray.